0: Hello, everybody, and welcome once again as we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament. We've been working through the New Testament together for the last two and a half years, uh, sort of a chapter at a time. We uh, worked through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, then we did John, then we did Luke, because we wanted to do Luke and Acts together. And then now, springing out of Acts, uh, we're moving into the letters that Paul wrote, because we just spent time Uh, looking at Paul's missionary journeys and these initial letters, or the letters he was writing back to the churches. Remember that he uh, would uh, go uh, from place to place, he'd get a church started, he'd often get run out of town after a short period of time, and uh, and so they would have a good start, but they'd have a lot of questions. He would send often um, some of his guys back there to help the churches, but then... Uh, they would also uh, be times when there wasn't anybody there, they'd have questions. And in particular, now with the group in Corinth, a lot of issues have arrived and, and have, have arisen in the process. And, um, and so they've sent sort of a couple of different groups of people to Paul with a, a list of questions that he's been working through. And they're, they're very difficult um, sort of questions and um and it's not uncommon the, the the he commended the Corinthian church Paul did for there's a lot of good stuff going on but there's also a lot of big issues and uh, just like the church today um there's there's always stuff and it's about growing into it and learning how to deal with the process now in in Corinth remember it's a very new church and they're they're just sort of moving away from a lot of their pre-christian beliefs Um, that were pretty significant and very occultic in their practice. And um, one of the issues now that Paul has to uh, deal with is um, spiritual gifts, and that's going to be in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Uh, Apparently the Corinthians were very gifted by the Spirit, and yet they were looking at it sometimes in the wrong way, and it was causing another set of issues. And and it's important to move into these chapters with some cultural context that... uh, the, the Hellenistic, the Greek worldview that the Corinthians had um, in their pre-Christian take on things, had a very sort of um, interesting belief in the way that people were um, uh, connected to the little g gods, and that people who were very close to the little g gods um, were were oftentimes uh, th- this closeness was manifested by sort of trances, ecstatic speech, and other unusual, bizarre forms of behavior. In fact, people who were um, had epilepsy at the time were considered to have the divine disease. And so, these uh, rather bizarre behaviors that some experienced um, were often considered that, that to make them closer to God, that these people were closer to God. Uh, oftentimes, the in the... Um, in, in the practice of occult worship, uh, the, the people in the temples, the false temples, would even use uh, drugs and stuff to get worked into these sort of frenzies, and that was considered to be spiritual. Given that sort of perspective on the culture, um, the, one of the gifts that the Corinthians seemed uh, particularly attracted to was uh, speaking in tongues, the gift of tongues. And, and it, it had this k- tie-in to these other practices, um, and, and so they were elevating it uh, to a place that uh, it was a true, it was the mark of true spirituality. And Paul's going to step in and deal with that process in these chapters. And he actually begins the whole process in First in, uh, Corinthians twelve. We're going to see by making the statement now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. I've always enjoyed that that passage. I I like Paul saying that. I, I don't want you to be ignorant. Um, and that, as you look into that first verse, um, the the way it's been translated for us about spiritual gifts, um, the word there for spiritual, where they're taking the concept of spiritual gifts, the, is different than the the word for spiritual gifts in the rest of the. The chapter where the gifts are referred to as the charismata or the charisma, the the gifts as we know them. That word there that's spiritual is just that it's about spirituality. Gifts has kind of been added there because of the context of the rest of the chapter. But I think a a really good way of looking at that first verse says, um, would be, you know, about what it means to be spiritual. About what true spirituality looks like, I don't want you to be ignorant or confused. And and he also reminds us that just a short time ago, the Corinthian uh, believers were were being led astray to mute idols and all that stuff. So it's all in the mix. And what's happened is, and so their old assumptions of what spirituality looked like are being dragged into the kingdom, and it's causing issues. And 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 so. Uh, to the point where, because one of the verses that comes up talks about you can't say Jesus is Lord uh, without the Spirit, and you can't say Jesus is cursed if you have, and, and that apparently what's happened, that that's even being brought up, is that someone in uh, in sort of what they thought was a very spiritual state uh, of a, a static utterance has, has said anathema to Jesus, uh, uh, did Jesus be cursed, and because of the state of the person saying it, because of the way it was delivered, they thought that it had some merit. And Paul is saying that's that's not God, and you need to be able to look and see the difference in the process. And so uh, uh, Paul's main concern then, or one of the main concerns, is that because of their um, misunderstanding of what true spirituality is, that some people could be led astray who are coming in because they, they don't have this stuff figured out. And so uh, I want to say this too as we as we delve into these chapters that um, Paul does not at- attack the gift of tongues, um, and he doesn't reject it either in the church. What he does is give a-, a lengthy explanation of how the Spirit actually works in our lives and in our churches. So let's dig in together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 and following. There's 31 verses. I will read it to you. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. "...therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good." "...to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretations of tongues." All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one, just as he determines. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body And has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets. Third, teachers, then workers of miracles. Also, those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. All right, so as we continue on, as I said, in our study of the church in Corinth and the New Testament church in general, um, probably by now you've realized that, that the church had a lot of issues, a lot of problems. There were a lot of things going on. The new church, the early church, we often sort of get uh, um, uh, nostalgic about the, the early church and how, how amazing it must have been to be a part. And, and it's true, but the church is still an amazing thing. And, and so, even though there was a lot of neat, dynamic stuff happening back then, they had a bunch of problems too, just like the church today. Remember, we're always trying to balance in um, the, the things that Paul was, was talking about: uh, truth, love, and transform lives. So that's what the church ought to be demonstrating in the world: the truth given in love, and that out of that should be coming, uh, life should be changed by the Spirit of God. That's what was happening then, and in the church today. That's what's still supposed to be happening and, and hopefully is happening that we're, we're learning the truth and we're growing in the truth together in the context of a loving environment where we're able to disagree and, and learn and be led by the Spirit of God so that all of us can have an experience transformed lives in the kingdom. These are the qualities um, important in the church. They were evidenced in the early church and hopefully they're being evidenced now. But with that comes problems. Just as there's problems in the churches today, all sorts of problems. you got a bunch of broken people getting together, trying to work this thing out. There were problems back then. There was a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of uh, bad ideas and a lot of stuff that was brought in from previous kind of concepts that Paul's having to deal with along the way. And so what has to happen, what had to happen then, is what continues to happen now. We have to grow in maturity. We we need to become more mature in our understanding and in our beliefs. And we need to understand what true spirituality looks like and not be swayed by um, the giftedness of people. A lot of times, here's what's happened, is that the Holy Spirit gives gifts, and we're going to talk about that to people. And somehow, we we've, we've sometimes believe that because someone is gifted in certain ways, in, in particular giftings, that that makes them more spiritual. And that's not true. They just happen to be uh, uh, moving in whatever that gift might be uh, in the process. And Paul is going to put a big check on all of that. And as we'll, we'll see, what he's going to tell us that the true measure of spirituality is, is love. It's not what gifts you're flowing in. It's not anything else. It's how well you love. That's the mark of spirituality in the kingdom of God. How well you love. How well you love others. How well you love God. That's the mark. That's what, if you need to look at anything in someone to determine if they're truly spiritual or not, it ends in, it begins and ends there. How well do they love? If they are harsh, critical, judgmental, they've got some growing to do. If they're loving well, you, you, know, you, you hopefully can say, oh, this is a person who's been walking with God for a while, and, and he's, um, or, or she has, has come to some places of humility in their lives, and they realize that, that all that they are is really all about him. And they're just trying to do their part. And function in the body. They they quit, you know, striving for power and position. They 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 just kind of settle into the role that God has for them. They're not divisive. They're not always trying to cause problems. They're not pointing out every little thing. They're 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 growing in and encouraging others to become the people that God has called them to be. That's what the church ought to be doing. That's why we talk about encouragement all the time. Um, truly spiritual people love well and are encouraging others. They're not always trying to. Push people down and get their own way and, and you know, make their voices heard. They're, they're, they they want to encourage others. They want the, the church to expand and grow. They want to see people step into the callings of their lives. And, and that's, that's what being spiritual really looks like. And so we're, we're going to dig into this through the next three chapters. Uh, in, in 12, as we started going into it, and, and then the, the concept of chapter 12 is about true spirituality... Um, I thought I would do sort of a little paraphrase of 12, uh, to hopefully make the verses connect, uh, with you, so that you can really kind of get a hold of what's taking place. So let me say, what I'm about to read to you is, is a Steve paraphrase. It's a Steveism. Don't, it's not for deep theological discussion. Um, it's none of those things. It's me trying to take what I believe was happening in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and just kind of paraphrase it for all of us to understand it better. So it goes like this. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you can't view spirituality from your pre-Christian perspective. God is at work in each one of us through His Spirit. But what the Spirit is doing in each of us is different. He is the one who gives us different spiritual gifts which are to be used to help others. How He chooses to work in each one of us is completely up to Him. You see... As we are together in Christ, we are his body. We are many different parts united in one. Just like the parts of the human body, we each have our own function. Like a hand, a foot, an eye, or ear, we're all necessary to help the body function properly. Each part is important, and as a part of his body, you are an important part. Sometimes people want to try and figure out what the most important part is or what the most important gift is, but that is not what is really important. What is really important when it comes to being truly spiritual is love. Spiritual maturity is evidenced by love, not by gifts. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, some, uh, a few key verses I want to touch on in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 together. The first is 1 Corinthians 12:7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Um, each one of us is gifted by the Holy Spirit for the common good. The gifts are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And, and they're given as He determines. And each and every believer in Christ has been used and, and gifted um, through and by the Holy Spirit to impact others. It's happened with all of you who uh, know Jesus and, and uh, have been walking in the kingdom. The, the Holy Spirit has gifted you to impact others. You may not have recognized it in His movement, but He's been moving in you. It says so, that He does it with all of us. Now, sometimes um, people have different ways of looking at the gifts, and, and so they try and determine... Which of the gifts that they have, and then um, then they start trying to say, "Well, you know this is the gift that I have. I have a little different way of looking at that, and there's a difference too, between uh, in the church being the gifts of the spirit and and sort of the a call, uh, an anointing of certain offices within the church. and so we we don't want to confuse the two, but I believe this that the gifts of the spirit it says, are given for the common good, and so when the Holy Spirit gives gifts, Um, uh, that that ultimately, therefore, the final recipient. That it's not so much... Let's say that there's someone who needs to be healed and a gift of healing um, is given by the Spirit that flows through you to the person who needs to be healed and they're healed. They're the one that received the gift of healing, I believe. It just kind of happened to go through you. God used you for the common good. Does that mean that you always have the gift of healing? I don't believe it does. Are there some people who seem to flow more in healing than others? Absolutely. But I also believe that God's able to use willing um, believers to flow into whatever needs to happen. So that if there's an occasion and a need for ministry and you're with someone, and that person needs a particular spiritual gift, if you're open to the things of God, that that gift can flow through you to that person as a recipient. I believe that's more in line with what's taking place here. And because it, when you have that mindset that it's not about you and the gifts, the gifts are for the common good, that whatever gift God happens to be working in you doesn't elevate you to being super spiritual. It really just means you're kind of open to what God is doing, just like we all should be. The gifts are for the person receiving them. Then, then the giftedness of people doesn't become the measure of spirituality, which Paul says it can't be. What's the measure? Loving well. So there's a lot of people... Uh, there's sometimes people who haven't taken that concept far enough and they, they believe because God works in them in certain ways that um, they're to be elevated in their spiritual life and they haven't learned how to love well. And so we, we have to be uh, people who are always thinking about what it looks like to love others well. But all of us are gifted by the Spirit. Everybody who's a, a follower of Christ is being used by the Spirit of God for the common good. And, and he does that in each one of us. In another verse, uh, it's 1 Corinthians 12.10, and the verse is following. And uh, he begins to dig into more specific gifts. And one of those is about prophecy. And um, it's an important gift, and he's going to touch on it. But I want to say this about prophecy um, and the ministry of the prophets in the Old and New Testament. Um, The the emphasis, as you study these things on on prophetic giftings, the emphasis on prophecy is not about predicting the future, but it's making clear what God has said. And so prophecy should always be linked to Scripture. It should either be a way of making the Word more understandable for its, its readers and hearers, or as a message that absolutely has to be validated by the Word. Now, the you know, Old Testament prophets, if they were found false, were killed. They were stoned to death. It's, it, was a, it was a very significant deal. And, and so, um, sometimes we need to always validate what anyone who, who claims to be working in prophetic ways against the word. It should absolutely be, uh, stand up against the word. Absolutely. And, and in, in many and most instances, it's going to be just a way of making the word clearer. But uh, all these things need to be uh, you know, careful, and that whole standard has to be true. Do they love well? And, and what does that look like? And so these are all things that need to be evaluated in the process. And then there, in verse 31 uh, of chapter 12, Paul talks about showing us the most excellent way. And it's a, it's a step into First Corinthians 13, which is all about love. The most excellent way is love. It's, it's what it's all about. And then he gives beautiful descriptions of what love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't rude. It isn't proud. It isn't self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. That these are the concepts. These are the pictures. These are the character traits of truly spiritual people. Not their giftedness. But how well they love. And it's something that we all need to be evaluating and it's something Paul is bringing back to the church. I don't want you to be ignorant, he says, brothers, about what true spirituality looks like. It's not defined by a person's giftedness. It's defined by a person's love. And that uh, hopefully will cause us all to be uh, always working at, at loving well. Loving God and loving others the biggest call in our lives. Loving uh, Loving ourselves. And then being open and receptive to whatever the Spirit has for us for the common good. Not looking for labels. Not, not looking to be exalted in our own lives. Not, not you know, demanding that people recognize our giftedness. But in humility. Understanding that we're to love well. We're to encourage others. We're to esteem others better than ourselves. That it's about lifting others up in the, in the body of Christ in order to make a difference in the world for God. So that's uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to dig into 13 and 14 in the next couple of weeks and try and tie it all together. Um, uh, and I, I just want you to hopefully see that, that. that What Paul, I believe, is saying is that true spirituality is, is not related to the gifts that a person may have from the Spirit. It's um, that love is, a, is the true Uh, is the indication of a person's true spirituality. It's all about love. And so I'll I'll close with that today. If you're watching by video or on TV, thank you for watching. God bless you all. If there's anything we can do, you can call us, write us, email us at keysvineyard.com is is our website. You can email us from there. And uh, we'll do whatever we can to help you. God bless you all. We're going to close with prayer here. And uh, we'll see you soon.